going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s, John Morant's, Joe Johnson's, Jaw Raffs, of course. We've got Jays we got him for days. Josh, how are you doing? Both tired. All working. Mm-hmm. And, you know, of course, just got the first two games of the tournament wrong. And I always root really hard until I get a pick wrong just mm. to keep the dream alive, you know? Yeah. And yeah, it was it was over. <laughs> it's it's Friday morning at eight ten and I haven't looked at my bracket. I have no like like I know it's not perfect anymore because I had Charleston and Charleston didn't win. But other than that, I have no idea how the bracket's going. I know <laughs> that my final four teams are still there, but that is about it. And I kind of like it that way. I actually I, I actually like it when the first game that is played I get wrong. Because I don't have to worry about it anymore. And I did. I was thinking about this. I feel like it's usually an eight nine. It's which, definitely something competitive, usually. I think. Yeah, which half the people are just out right there, you know. Right. And I think this I think, time it was something like fifty three percent had chosen West Virginia, so you just cut it I in really, half, and then. <laughs> I really thought West Virginia. I texted somebody during the West Virginia game that if Alabama shoots it poorly, right? Because that because that's the South Region eight nine. If Alabama shoots it poorly against West Virginia in the second round, they'll lose to West Virginia. Because I thought the way that West Virginia was playing the second, in the first half was so was so tough, and then and then it kind of went off the rails for for a bunch of different reasons. Um, and and then it was yeah okay okay maybe not. But in, in Maryland, Kevin Willard did did. A heck of a coaching job, I thought, in the second half to to adjust to some of the things that West Virginia was doing, and um, yeah, it was a really nice way to kick off the tournament, but also one right when you have a matchup that's kind of a toss up, which is sixty seven sixty five final between two, it, you know, between an eight and a nine seed, what <laughs> screams screams toss up in multiple different ways um, that you, that you get quite a few people without a without a perfect bracket. I think I saw this morning that there are like 700 at least on the March Madness website like 700 perfect brackets left. Something like that. I can't it, it was on the front of it was like 45 oh 787 perfect brackets <laughs> remain. That's not very many brackets. Nope, it's a respectable amount of brackets, but that's not very many brackets and I bet what another half of those get taken out depending on who wins the USC Michigan State game, which is the first game of the day. <laughs> yeah. Do you think? <laughs> and then the other half. So by the end, by four o'clock after the end of the VCU St. Mary's game, because I bet there are plenty of people who have VCU oh, yeah. to beat St. Mary's. Yep. That, uh, that, that number will be down closer to, you know, a hundred, 150. <laughs> so anywho. Okay. Here's the, here's the goal with these podcasts. These are these morning podcasts. We're going to try to get in and get out about the previous day's action in 20, 20 minutes or so. Um, Ideally, ideally a little less, but um, to, to kind of get you ready for for the next day, take a quick look back at the previous day. And this will get easier to fit everything in as there are fewer teams in the tournament. So a little bit of a challenge today, but we're going to do our best to get in quick uh, so that we're not leaking into anybody's viewing of of day two of the first uh, of the round of 68 in the NCAA tournament. Josh, let's start in the place that. 
we're either starting here or we're watching them cut the nets down in the final four. And that's Virginia losing uh, to a very high seed in the first round. And this time they did it in spectacular fashion. 68-67 loss to Furman on one of the weirder, one of the weirder ends to a game I've ever seen. And yep. if and, and, and on my bingo card, Kihei Clark making maybe the dumbest mistake he's made in his entire Virginia career. Uh, was not on my bingo card, but uh, that is exactly what happened. And Furman erased a deficit that looked relatively insurmountable when you're down by four with, you know, 15 seconds left. And, and you know, it's a bucket. It's, uh, you know, only making one free throw. It's a bucket. And then it's a it's a boneheaded play from Kihei Clark away from, from being a Paladins victory. And they were also down... 12 with 12 minutes left or something like that. Yeah. And got hit out of the gates too. Yeah. I was more paying attention to the, the West Virginia game. Cause I thought, Oh, okay. Virginia's obviously this is a good Furman team. I expected this game to be close, but Virginia is sort of taking care of business in the second half. So I wasn't paying too much attention. Then I looked back up and Furman was winning and I went, what? Yeah. And then Virginia was winning and I thought, okay, they're going to survive. And then, yeah, that, that happened. I just feel terrible for Kihei Clark. I don't. I guess he thought he could just run the clock out. I I don't really know. Like I like I, I've kind of been going back and forth with this because it's not like he thought. It's not like because there were like eight seconds left on the clock when right. he threw the ball up in the air. So I I find it really hard to believe that he thought there was a little enough time that he could just. Do the thing where you throw the ball in the air and let the the second and a half run out or whatever. And he didn't it is. throw it up; he threw it out. Right, right. Which is the other part. If you're going to do that, you got to throw it up. Right. So, so the only thing, right? Because the other two options he had were he had, and I don't know who it was on the other side of the floor, because he he tried to throw it like full court, and he had a guy in the back court with him on the other end of the court. On the on the other on the other sideline, that was wide open. There was nobody anywhere near him, and I guess maybe right. You think about you know he's kind of in that corner, and there's in theory somebody between him and that guy, right? Um, like it's it's totally possible. Like Kihei Clark, not the biggest guy in the world. Like it's totally right. possible he couldn't see him, and so so if we're operating under that assumption, he didn't know he was that wide open. Um, that's a possibility, but Virginia also had a timeout available yes. and, and just take the foul. Right. Or just, or just, yeah. Or just get, there's no, out. right. There's no reason to give the ball up. Right. The ref is, the ref is expecting to call a foul yes. there. Use that to your advantage. Right. We and see Bob that Ritchie, all the time. And Bob Ritchie was, this is the other part I want to get to in a second is the Bob Ritchie part of this, but Bob Ritchie was also in the process of telling his team to foul when Kihei Clark threw the ball. Right. That was what was going to happen next. And mm. Yeah. And even if he wasn't, like that's just what you do next, right? Exactly. Right. You're right, down by right. two. The game, you're like, we can still extend the game here. Right. They've already, they've already missed the, you know, they've already only made one of two free throws once. It can happen mm-hmm. again. Right. Just prolong the game, and Keith right. Clark uh, kind of jumped the gun on that. Yeah. The plan was always to trap that because they had some time. Yeah. To see if they could get a jump ball, see if they could get a turnover, and then right, if it doesn't work off kind of that first trap, then you follow. Yeah. Exactly. All right, talk to me about the coach. <laughs> Bob Ritchie is unbelievable. What he's done at Furman. Don't forget, this Furman team was ranked a couple seasons ago. 
And I believe that stretch of wins included both Loyola and Villanova, if I remember correctly. And this is a team that lost I think on a you're buzzer. Right. I'll check though. I'll check though. I think you're this right. This is a team that lost on a buzzer beater in the SoCon championship game last season, or else they would have ended this NCAA tournament yep. drought last year. Yep. And then they they got their guys back. They beat Virginia with Mike Bothwell following out. These guards are I guess I mean whether you want to call Jalen Slauson a guard or not, but their talent level at the top of this roster is exceptional. They are really, really good. What I thought was going to happen in this game was kind of what we were talking about with the Charleston-Virginia matchup we both had in the next round. This idea of you just aren't going to be able to adjust in time when you haven't seen this before. You were right, by the way. They started the 2018-19 season. They started 12-0 and early in the season beat Villanova on the road, as well as Loyola Chicago on the road. So they had had those two. They were 5-0 to start the season with those two wins and ended up going 25-8, I believe, and and losing in the the conference tournament to to UNC Greensboro. Yeah, this was coming. This is just a legitimately excellent mid-major program at this Mm -hmm. point. And Bob Ritchie, the other thing coming from his post-game that I wanted to mention, he did justify my belief in that which I thought was fascinating. He said, I told our guys, you can't simulate this. You're going to get hit in the mouth. You've got to just absorb it. The the first three minutes, we're going to have to just figure it out because you're going to have to just adjust to what this is going to be like because I can't tell you. I can't simulate it. Our scout team can't simulate it. And I can't even tell you because I haven't been there either. Right. 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 Exactly. It it can't even be a – here is here is my best attempt to describe what your feelings will be. I don't know what my own feelings are going to be. Much right. Yours. <laughs> right. He just said we're going to have to we're going to take our lumps. We got to be able to regroup and just keep going. You guys have been here before. You've been through a lot. You know how to figure this out. And that's exactly what happened. They, right. They went down. They went down again in the second half after they put that run together. And here they are. They are. I would have probably picked them if it was a different team. I didn't like this matchup for them, but they made the plays at the end of the day. And again, Mike Bothell played 20 minutes because he fouled out. Mm-hmm. This is a really, really good basketball team and a really good coach that if he stays there for another decade, they are getting close to the point where they're going to be one of those mid-major powers. You know, the interesting thing is, and the interesting thing with both of these to kind of connect the two, the two biggest upsets yesterday, which was the other one being Arizona's loss to Princeton in the 15-2 matchup. Like Furman didn't, Furman nor Princeton and, and Princeton even more so, but Furman didn't exactly play a flawless game, right? It's no. like, like usually, usually upsets. In the 13-4-12-5 is a little bit different. But like in the 15-2 in particular, and, and when you get into these, like it typically takes a really, really high quality game mm-hmm. from from that from that high seed or low seed to beat the the number, you know, the number four seed. Right? It's it's usually a, a high quality team, but it also takes a high quality game. And and while and Furman made the made the play down the stretch, I suppose, and made the shot more particularly because Kihei Clarkmore didn't make the play that he needed to rather than Furman making the play that they needed to. Like, they knocked down the shot when they got the opportunity, but, you know, they got out-rebounded. 
they turned the you know neither team turned the ball over that many times, but Furman turned the ball over more. They shot thirty nine percent from the field. Ten of twenty eight from the three point line is helpful, especially when Virginia goes two of twelve. So like it's not like they did good things, but and even more so for Princeton. But for it's not like Furman did anything out of the realm of possibility. And I and I'm guessing that Richie isn't even like in the locker room after that game talking about how great of a performance that was, right? We were in foul trouble. Like we like the thing you're you're harping on is this is what happens when you hang in there for all 40 minutes. At some point, somebody's going to make a mistake, and you've got to be there and be ready for it. And they were, and but it's not like they played a spectacular game. So when we get to the second round, like that, like that's my message there is that mm-hmm. listen, we're still here and we haven't played our best basketball yeah. yet. So, yep. so, so we're still here and, and we should be thinking about still being here, not just being happy that we're still here. Yeah. Oh yeah. The other, the other upset I alluded to 15 Princeton over number two seed, Arizona, uh, the Princeton Tigers, 59, 55. And this was, I mean, another game where, where neither team played particularly well, but it didn't take, it didn't take a ton from Princeton, uh, relatively speaking, of course, it took them 59 points to beat the team that just won the Pac-12 tournament. Um, both teams actually shot better from the field than I had in my head. What really was a stinker was neither team could hit the broadside of the barn from the three-point <laughs> line, but Princeton going 4 of 25 and Arizona going 3 of 16. But Josh, what happened in this game is kind of the thing. And, and Arizona's, Arizona's two, two most productive offensive players being Umar Ballo and Zalas Tabellas. They're they're a little like like they're sneaky Keontae Johnson and Marquise Noel. They're just in a position to be far more efficient than those two guys are. And and what Arizona can fall into is if those guys aren't of the utmost efficiency, then we can fall into a problem if the guards don't play well. And those two guys, it took them 30 shots to get 35 points, which is not great. They were 15 of 30 from the field, which on the surface is great. That's 30, that's 50% shooting. Um, those two guys have been far more efficient than that this season. And then you, you couple that with, you know, you get, you get one of seven from Kirk Rissa. You don't get you don't get a, a ton from other guys in the backcourt. The the bench is non-existent. You get seven minutes there total. Um, seven three points. guys. Yeah, yeah. What did I say? Minutes. <laughs> oh, seven points total. Um, three guys played. Really, only two were were part of the rotation, yeah. though. And and, and you, the the margin of error gets really really slim to the point where where Princeton doesn't need that many points to beat you. Yeah, and. Tabellus and Ballo got to the free throw line six times between them, which is somewhat incomprehensible for me playing a team from the Ivy League, mm-hmm. just from a physicality and athleticism standpoint. Same idea of Zach Eady that we've been talking about, right? Just uh-huh. dead. Is Princeton recruiting a player that's capable of guarding those guys? And they still only got to the free throw line six times, which is part of the reason why, yeah, they were fine, but not spectacular. And when your guards are that bad, and you don't have backup guards because you play seven guys, one of whom's a freshman that plays, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Those players have to be good. And yep. when they are, they can beat anybody in the country. But this was always the issue. We've been talking about this since the beginning of the season. 
this is what makes this year's team different than last year's team. It's why I was never completely sold on them. And maybe this is the point where we have a conversation about these two coaches. Not not Princeton, but but Tony Bennett and Tommy Lloyd. I mean, Tommy Lloyd is pushing 70 wins in two seasons. Mm-hmm. A Pac-12 regular season title, two Pac-12 tournaments, a one seed, a two seed, and two NCAA tournament wins, almost one NCAA tournament win over 16. Mm-hmm. Right, because they barely survived TCU. Great game, by the way. Phenomenal game. Yeah, and, yeah, and this is not a criticism of last year's team. That's the kind of stuff sure. that happens sure, in the sure, tournament. Sure. sure. Yeah. Which makes the, my point being, that makes this much more jarring to me. Because this was always my thing with Sean Miller's Arizona. I don't trust mm-hmm. him in March at all. What they did last season and the fact that they found a way to win that TCU game and played well, and just my faith in Tommy Lloyd, I just kind of dismissed that concern. Mm-hmm. Because Tommy Lloyd was what was there to change my mind about that and at least like wipe the slate clean and see, okay, what is he doing in March? You know, what do they look like under him? And now you have a fine, not spectacular season with arguably the best roster in the country. And mm-hmm. then this. This apparently this is just an Arizona thing. I thought it was a Sean Miller Arizona thing. And then the t- I'm so tired of this Tony Bennett conversation. I don't really have much to say other than, look, they they weren't as good as I thought they were going to be. They lost to a really good basketball team. It happens. This is not UMBC all over again. Um, two things, and then we'll move on quickly to so, to a couple other things before we get out here. Um, th- on the on the Arizona side, I like people. Like, I feel like I care when people make it to the Sweet Sixteen way more than anybody else. Like. Like anybody, like like I, I like it, it. Truly baffles me, and I know I'm a Matt Painter and Purdue lover, but it truly baffles me that people describe what Matt Painter has done in the tournament over the last six years as struggles. He's been in the Sweet Sixteen four times and mm-hmm. was a miracle pass with yep. a second and a half left away from a Final Four. They had what one first round loss to Little Rock? Yeah, that Chris Beard yeah, 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 and. So 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 I like I don't get that. The other so like last year you're like it's only because you're a one seed that anybody even has that thought. Right. Like that was like, not like my thought surface, at the end of last season. Yeah. On the surface you're a first year head coach in a Power 5 conference who just won the regular season, the Pac-12 title and <laughs> the and then went to the Sweet 16. That's what he did in his first year. Mm-hmm. This year was more about that team just wasn't constructed very well. That team was constructed with at its best, could beat anybody, but in reality, a pretty slim margin of error when things are intense. Yeah, and and that was just the reality of the situation. The other thing about Tony Bennett is every time, like like Tony Bennett, like nobody should be questioning Tony Bennett's abilities as a head coach. Maybe they should question Tony Tony Bennett's um, instincts when it comes to building a roster. Maybe a little bit, but like it just further to, like this year further furthers the idea that that Virginia team that won the national championship was just different than any other team he's ever had. Because yes. people people came out of that year with, hey, I just think like here's the like the way that Tony Bennett does things can work in the NCAA tournament. It's like no, he just had the dudes offensively that he's that he did, he had never had before, and he hasn't had since. Mm-hmm. So. 
but so like I think you can question relative to the NCAA tournament if Tony Bennett's roster construction um, foundations make sense for trying to make a deep, a deep run in March. But sure. as oh, for who Tony Bennett is as a as a basketball coach, um, like you're just weird if you're if you're taking that opportunity to to do that. And also, he's working within a, a set of boundaries, right? This is Virginia we're talking about. Right. It's a big deal when and I also say he, they like Ben Vanderpostel did not play in this game. Right. Can we can we can we yes. just mention that? Yep. Right. You're without and Caden Shedrick was phenomenal. I yep. don't know exactly what happened there with him not getting a lot of minutes down the stretch until he needed to play again because of Vanderpost's injury. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a big deal when you get an Isaac McNeely who I think was a top sixty recruit coming in. Yep. You're just limited in what you can do, and he's found a way to maximize it. But yeah, of course there are flaws. You need everything to go perfectly to be able to win six games, which is what we've always said, and it's still true. And I thought this team was going to be closer to that offensively, and they just weren't. And right, you get an injury to one of your more offensively dynamic players, you get the wrong matchup in the first round. And again, they should have won the game. That's the other part of this. They should have won that game. And they didn't, and it happened. But you got to separate these things out. This was not UMBC part two. I don't. I. I. I would. Uh, I would agree with that sentiment. Okay. A couple more things. Um, relatively straightforward day, despite those two games. Um, everything else was relatively straightforward. We got a good Maryland West Virginia game uh, to start the tournament, and then after that, there were some close games. Um, there were some surprising results. I think Penn State shooting the lights. I saw a TikTok <laughs> this morning that someone – it started with Penn State cheated in their NCAA tournament game. And then he just went on this rant about them finding Jimmer for debt, <laughs> which, yep. which is laugh out loud funny. Um, I mean, that's because, what Andrew Funk was doing. I mean, because that's exactly what Andrew Funk was doing. He had 27 and was 8 of 10 from the three-point line. Um, you know – Things that make it really easier for you to win basketball games. Um, last thing I want to touch on before we we get out of here is, um, and and it's part the way that they play and part Marcus Sasser's unknown um, unknown health in terms of just how healthy he is or isn't. Um, the the version of Houston we got last night, oh my uh, word, is going to lose in the second round if they play the way yes. that they did against Northern Kentucky, who. Could who was like the meme of all number sixteen seed memes. It was so good. Their shot selection was so bad, and they were still in this game at the under four timeout and law ended up losing by eleven. But um, yeah, was a was was a was not a great night if you are someone who has Houston winning the national championship. Uh, it, no, yeah, it uh, ended five of thirty three from three. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we, yeah, I've never seen shot selection quite like that. And then the problem—I mean, that that's would, what I mean. I can't. I, I like. I have half. Half of me is like, I don't know what other shots I'd get against Houston defense either. Right, right. So Houston's defense is definitely part of it. And then you and I were also talking about while watching this game this idea that when they actually got to the basket, it wasn't much better. <laughs> yeah, they were like clearly their touch was clearly better from the three point line than it was around the rim. So yeah, that's. That's the concerning part of this is that was not to sort of add to the conversation earlier. That was not some kind of once in a lifetime performance by Northern Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> that was the opposite. Whatever that might have been the only team. Be. 
try this on for size. Is that the only team that Houston would have beat yesterday with that performance? <laughs> I mean, probably a couple of the other six teams. Maybe. Probably. Probably. Other than that, like, though, right, they're not being Princeton. Absolutely not. And, that, I mean, maybe I mean, like Texas Howard and Texas and like Corpus Christi. Corpus Christi and 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 Howard like on the like from a very you know apples to oranges kind of way like they both scored more points than Houston yeah. did yeah Howard was hanging but, in there for a while yeah yeah, yeah. Um, I mean I think and I and Kelvin Sampson knows it too that's what struck yeah. me about just watching his post game right on the floor quick yeah. he 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 basically said I'm not I'm not worried about trying to fix things we need to get healthy. I need my all-American healthy. Right. It's just not going to matter. Yeah. And yeah. that's the dangerous thing also, about Apparently, this. Jamal Shedd is is battling something, also too. Also banged which, up, yeah. Yeah, which which I think it was Tracy Wolfson. Was that the – I think it was the A-team that was in that – I think so. That was, that was doing that game. It all blurs together. It all blurs together. I can't remember who. I think it might have been Tracy, though. But she was like, I didn't know that. Like, she just kind of – Yeah, yeah, She yeah, said yeah, it yeah. on the broadcast. Mm-hmm. I wasn't aware of Jamal Shedd. Yeah. 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 And Auburn is – one of those teams, whether it was going to be Auburn or Iowa, that mm. I mean, first of all, that's a coach that's made Final Fours, mm-hmm. and if you pick the wrong night, they will explode on you. And yeah, maybe it was just one of those things where you got to get that game out of your system. Maybe Marcus Sasser is healthy-ish. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I'm scared about if I'm Houston, even if you get past this back-to-back, is you've got, theoretically, Texas on the next one. Yeah. If you get all the way to the Sweet 16 playing for a spot, or sorry, to the Elite Eight playing for a spot in the Final Four. Yeah, I. this is the flaw with Houston. We've been harping on it. And without Marcus Sasser, it is a gaping flaw and it there were points this season because i remember bringing this up where i thought maybe they actually have enough because they're i think it was the oregon game he got in foul trouble and they looked spectacular Mm -hmm. without him and i brought it up to say well maybe he isn't that important well that was clearly an outlier because that was yeah they are lucky that they got that team on that day because they very well might have gone home against just about anybody else yep all right, anything else on, on Thursday? couple things I want to mention real quick. So the South region has just opened wide up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, apart from the fact that Alabama is still there. Right, 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 right. Just, just in theory, though. Okay, so San Diego State or Furman is going to the Sweet 16. Mm-hmm. And then Creighton and Baylor, it's there for you. The other mm-hmm. side of your part of this bracket is Missouri and Princeton. Yep. So that's... As two people who picked Creighton to get out of that part of the bracket and face Alabama, feel pretty good about that. The mm-hmm. other thing I just wanted to say, big day for the Tigers all around. Just all the Tigers teams. <laughs> Fair. Missouri, Princeton, Auburn. There was can one we, more. Oh, can oh we, and can, Tiger Campbell. That was the other one. Can, can we can we like work on our mascots here? Like, <laughs> come on. Like there were two different sets of Aggies that played yesterday. Yeah. And we're gonna get to, we're gonna get a Tiger. Tiger showdown between Missouri and Princeton. Like, it's fine. Whatever. That's why we need more paladins. A wild cat. Like, 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 
Like everybody's the Wildcats or the Tigers or the Bulldogs. <laughs> all of them. Shouts to the Boilermakers. At least the Huskies. At least there's a different type of dog. <laughs> the Norsemen. I'm in on that. So in on that. Okay. What's the other things? Those are my things. Those were your things. Okay. Yeah. Cool. You know, I, I I adore I adore this tournament. I I we started we came out swinging out of oh, the yeah. yesterday. Kind yep. of faded late into the night. That's okay though. Um, another day today, and then secret. And then you know, secret is that the best day, uh, the best two days of the entire tournament are Friday or Saturday and Sunday of the first facts. Weekend. So very much looking forward to that. We will be back tomorrow to talk about Friday. So. Um, Little, I mean, in, in incredibly predictably, we said about 20 minutes. It's been 28 minutes because <laughs> that's how we roll. So we will try to keep it somewhere in the 20-minute range, a far cry to 20 minutes, even if that's what it ends up being. But uh, the morning after for, for every, every day of the tournament. So we'll be back tomorrow as well as Sunday morning. And then we'll do a, further, uh, you know, a, a bigger kind of recap and setting up the next weekend uh on monday so please subscribe to the j series podcast on apple podcast spotify and google podcast follow us on twitter at jays for days pod check out the pod uh, the uh the youtube the tiktok the twitter all of those fun things and we will be back tomorrow thank you so much for listening to this edition of the jays for days podcast i'm josh he is also josh and we will see you later